Flying solo, but the sesh is as strong as ever. Welcome to the EFL Sesh podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to the EFL Sesh podcast. Um, really great to have you back. Um, I'm actually flying solo today, um, so uh, my illustrious co-host Joe is uh, currently indisposed and uh, for this week, but this week only. It's uh, it's, it's only a one-off. He, I'm uh, very much assured he will be back, and the uh, the undying masses that are missing his. Uh, his presence in this podcast will be very much happy uh, for next week. So yeah, he's indisposed. So you have me for this whole episode, but you might you won't have just me for 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 majority of this. I'm really really uh, excited actually. We we have another interview and another guest appearance on the pod today. Um, we have uh, we definitely have uh, caught a caught an eye of um, some other non-league clubs and it's been really really nice to learn more about the non-league kind of journey we obviously had Danny Hill we had uh, Brad Wellman on the on the pod um, so obviously that's the Canvey Island director of football and the Canvey Island manager um, and incredible stories incredible interviews really really enjoyed them um, but today and I don't mind putting the cat out of the bag we have um, Danny Scopes on the uh, on the pod today, which is super exciting. Um, Danny is the manager of uh, Averley FC, um, so they are in the National League South. So, in terms of you know, we've obviously covered Canvey quite a bit. They're the league above Canvey, which is really exciting. So, um, really, really um, looking forward to kind of shoot the breeze with with Danny and uh, for you to get a bit of an insight to the club Averley FC um, understand what there are their history um, kind of what it's like at National League South level um, we'll definitely dive into that um, but also just to learn more about Danny and how he approaches the game and his experience in the game so you know later on in the pod we'll go to that interview and uh, we you know I'm really looking forward to it I'm sure it'll be a really really good session um, and uh yeah, hopefully a good listen to your lovely ears. But before that, obviously I'll do the normal plug of the socials. So obviously follow the EFL Sesh on uh, Twitter or X and Instagram at the EFL Sesh pod. Um, we love all the interaction, definitely getting more and more every single week. And, uh, you know, the, 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 in the kind of followers are growing which is awesome and that's and that's something we really appreciate and it just uh reaffirms why we're doing this and why we love what we why we're doing it and uh it's great that many of you are uh are listening and 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 interacting with us too and also you know listen to the efl sesh pod on all your major podcasting platforms we record every monday and and uh and deliver every single monday evening um so on spotify Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, I think it's called actually, Amazon Music, and all your major podcasting platforms. You know, please, please listen to it. Share with your friends, share with anyone. Um, you know, the more that we grow the following, the better, right? So uh, that's the the plug that we always, I always do anyway. But, you know, an EFL Sesh pod wouldn't be an EFL Sesh pod if we didn't have uh, the, the story that just keeps on giving, the managerial merry-go-round. So there has been some changes this week. So uh you know league two and league one focus so very much um 
very much. Yeah, that's the focus this week. I didn't know why I was going with that. To be fair, that's fine. Absolutely fine. Not not to worry. Um, but the, the first one, I suppose, the the one that's not say the elephant in the room, but the one that's definitely caught the most headlines is um, Troy Deeney has lost his role at um, Forest Green Rovers. I think after I think six matches or eight matches in charge. Um, yeah, it came with a bit of a shock, and it seems to be a bit of a disaster. If I'm being totally honest, you know, mine and mine and Joe's original opinion of it was we probably were thinking it wasn't going to go very well um but it was one of them things which we thought you know give it time you never know you know uh footballers can turn into good managers we've seen it in the past but um obviously i think the week before um troy Deeney was subject to racial abuse uh from in one of their games which was you know it's completely awful like absolutely no time for it in the game there's no place for it in the game and um yeah the, the, you know there's no sentiment towards that at all um i think it's su- super you know outdated opinions it's uh you know everyone is equal you know everyone should have an equal opportunity in the game so you know that as a start was was terrible news and obviously troy had to go through that so you know it's it's never nice but the club seemed to obviously back him and and that that's great to see and the the footballing world backed him which is awesome um and you know at the FL Slash pod we back that as well um but with the uh i feel i think a couple of weeks later i think uh troy was obviously quite critical of the players based on some of the performances which is fine and maybe the club's hierarchy and i think ultimately that's maybe is what cost his job in the long run um i know they weren't on the best run generally of results but um the performances looked a little bit better um he was seeing i think if he gave him more time he might have got tuned into them but you know, they are in a precarious position at the bottom of the league and um, it's not looking good for them, Brev, um, if I'm being totally honest. Um, so I'm not surprised, I suppose, is, is is the sentiment. I'll be keen to hear Joe's view on it, but it seems to have been a bit of a disaster, the whole appointment from start to finish, really. It seemed to be quite sudden it happened. Obviously, they got rid of their old manager and then brought Troy in. Um and didn't give him enough time. You know, that's bad on the club's front. I think Troy should have had more time, definitely. Um, but I'm not surprised it's happened. So that vac- that position's still vacant. That was a few days ago. So I think it's uh, keen to um, see what happens there with that with that appointment. So, yeah, watch this space. I'm sure maybe by next week we'll have probably an update on the managerial merry-go-round with Forest Green. But yeah, um, not great. It's not great at all. And we wish Troy the best of luck and hopefully you can get another job in another club soon um but yeah it's uh, not been a good few weeks for them um i suppose some more positive news um Notts county have finally made the find the replacement of um of uh luke williams so i think he went to swansea and i think that's obviously started to be a good appointment already but they've appointed Stuart maynard Notts county as their manager on a multi-year deal um came from Wildstone um and I think he was doing some really good work at Wildstone so maybe following a um maybe an MK Dons model because obviously MK Dons bought in Mike Williamson from Gateshead um seemed to be a good appointment and it's definitely proven to be a very very good appointment seems to be a really really exciting young coach um so hopefully um you know that that can be replicated with Notts County I think you know they've got a really really good squad there in a really good position obviously I still think in the playoffs in League Two scoring lots and lots of goals but obviously conceding conceding lots as well i think they you know they've they've only got like plus eight goal difference but 
you know, they've scored like 65 goals and conceded like 58 or something like that. So it's certainly, I think, for Stewart, I think it's the first priority is obviously keep the attacking flair there, but obviously stop being so open on the break or stop being so open in defence and uh, sharp shocks. I think if they do that, they'll turn more results into positive results and, you know, maybe consolidate or even go up the table in League Two. So, you know, we wish Stuart Maynard a really good luck. I think he's, again, you know, relatively young coach, um, 18th October 1980. So what does that make him? That makes him 44. So not not horrendously like old or 43. So, you know, he's still got lots of years ahead of him. And I think it's a really good opportunity. And I think um, good luck to him. And I think let's see what happens. And I, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. I think the next few game weeks will dictate whether it's a good appointment or not, but you've got to give him a chance, right? And I think as of yesterday, Shrewsbury have got rid of their manager as well. So Shrewsbury in, in, in League One, I know they've been on a bit of a tired run. Um, so wasn't really surprised on that put on that uh dismissal there um so you know let's hope Shrewsbury can find a good manager to to fill the boots there um in in that role because I know it's a good club well-run club um so a good opportunity for a you know young upcoming manager I think to take the reins at a you know good good level in league one and I think there will be probably lots of applications for that role so let's let's see what happens but you know, relatively short manager of Merrigan, but I think the big one obviously is Troy Deeney being sacked and hopefully they can fill that role again. Um, but the Stuart Maynard one I'm quite excited about. I think it's a good opportunity for Stuart and I think, you know, the model has worked at MK Dons and, uh, you know, let's hope that that model is reciprocated and Notts County can, you know, consolidate where they are because I think that's the most important thing for them. They've had a really, really good start. They've got Macaulay Langstaff scoring bags of goals. I think the number one priority for Stuart is to keep McCauley at the club. <laughs> I think that's an important one. I know he's been there's been championship and League One teams sniffing around him. So absolutely paramount in this transfer window that uh that that he does that. But uh no, it's really uh really important that they can keep him there because he is certainly spearheading their um potential promotion push, which is really exciting. So yeah, that is the managerial merry-go-round. Um and Without further ado, I suppose the important thing is the interview. That's probably what you've listened for. Um, and yeah, really, really excited to announce that we've got Danny Scopes as our guest on the pod this week. Um, again, the Averley FC manager in the National League South. Really looking forward to this discussion. And without further ado, we'll go straight to it. We'll see you in a moment. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome back to the EFL Sesh podcast. As alluded to before the break, um, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Danny Scopes, the manager of Averley FC. Um, welcome, Danny. Thank you for taking the time out, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, just want to say what a good job you're doing. I've obviously been listening to quite a few of the podcasts now, and uh, yeah, really good, really informative, and uh, helps me with my knowledge of uh, EFL as well, which is really good. Oh, thank you, Dan. It's very, very kind of you. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. We've been definitely growing the growing the base, and it's been quite 
interesting like we've been obviously following canvey quite a bit this season and but the the outreach for all the kind of non-league clubs and kind of putting a spotlight on non-league we you know when we originally did the podcast it was certainly a, a goal of ours but it certainly has become more of a focus so i really appreciate you taking the time and letting the listeners kind of behind the curtain if you will and uh, you can kind of give a bit of a breakdown on you know your experience and then how it is like in non-league so it's great so um Let's get straight into the questions. Let's, let's, let's get keep the listeners, uh, give the listeners what they want. So, Danny, for the listeners, could you give give a bit of a breakdown of your footballing career to date? So, whether that be in playing and, and managing. Yeah, well, I played um, I played non-league. Obviously, played youth football for a successful club in uh, in sort of South End area, neck of the woods, and you've played all my youth football and typical growing up. My dad was my manager and went through all the age groups from sort of under sevens up to under eighteens, being being my manager and me being a player for him as well, which was really good and yeah, really good times. I know the relationship sometimes can be a little bit uh, fragile, but we had a real good relationship and he really helped me in my my development in terms of that and I sort of played under 18 football for Wakering Rovers who were sort of Essex Senior League at the time and a real good standard uh, back then had some real good players in there and I come straight out of the under 18s and made my debut for the first team and like most youngsters I went in quite well and, and fly in and did really well for a short period of time and sort of then lost my way which normally happens and can happen to young players and it catches up with you a little bit and lost my place and sort of lost my head a little bit with it at the time because I was too young to sort of deal with it um, and moved away for a little bit and sort of made my way up through the sort of local divisions really of, of football and played for some friends teams and always with the aim to get back to where I wanted to be and travelled around a little bit and a couple of other teams and a couple of other managers before sort of heading back to Wakering and when I went back there the second time I was there to stay for a little while and I think I'd done 10 seasons in total and probably six of them seasons was as a captain and really enjoyed my time there and sort of my young family and, and my wife and we grew up almost like being part of that football club so that was really important and that time come to an end and I sort of travelled around again and went to Tilbury for a little bit and within the Essex Senior League and and then I felt I had a knee problem and I just felt that I needed a change of scenery and I decided to go and watch a game over at Concord Rangers one night and Thameside Trophy match and I sort of quite like what I see and quite like the group of players they had there. I didn't really know too many people there and a couple of the players and spoke to the manager afterwards and said, look, you know, I'd like to come and join you. Uh, would you take me? They were quite keen and I sort of went there to sort of almost retire really in terms of my uh, playing career because I felt that was the case and sort of move into my family and my young boys were playing so I wanted to help them and coach their teams and develop myself as a football coach and I sort of went into Conkle Rangers and then 13 years <laughs> after that I sort of was still still involved with the football club and I had a stint as a player for a short period of time and then the manager got the sack Mm -hmm. uh, and I got sort of bullied into it by the chairman in terms of you're doing it and I still wanted to play I still felt I had a little bit left in my legs to play and but uh, him and the Danny Hill actually and, and another lad called Dan Trinkle sort of bullied me into being the manager and wasn't something I really wanted to do but felt I sort of you know I'll give it a go I'll give it a go and then I, I started doing the job and it was fortunate enough uh, Danny Cowley was someone that I'd sort of known and Nicky Cowley mm. was playing at the same age groups and the same um, sort of the same level, same 
same leagues, Essex Senior League, and Danny was injured and he wanted a job as a coach and he approached Ant Smith, the chairman of Concord, and then who approached me and said, look, you know, would you like Danny to come in as your coach and your assistant manager? And I knew Danny very well as a player and how good he'd be and I felt he'd be a good coach and a good manager and I felt if we could get Danny on board, we'd get his brother, Nicky, who was a very good player and there was probably about three or four other players that would come with him uh, that would really help us as a team in the challenge to get promoted out of the Essex Senior League then. So, yeah, I met with Danny and we got together and, and that's where the sort of story started really and I think we spent four four years together and we had several promotions and we managed to get the club to uh, what would be step three now in the, in the Ismian mm -hmm. League. Um, I decided to move aside. Um, my boys, again, were growing up a little bit. I wanted to manage them and I felt I needed to step away and develop myself as a, a bit more of a coach because I've been thrown into it before. I hadn't really had time to sort of step away and develop and also wanted to play football a little bit. I wanted to go and play a bit more football on a Saturday. So um, I was vexed then. So that was uh, that was my aim. So I, I did a bit of Concord, stepped away, did a bit of Concord, did a bit of vets football and, and did a lot of coaching and, and worked in an academy, a local academy, and then coached my boys' teams and, and tried to develop myself really, but still having a sort of connection with Concord and still going mm -hmm. over and watching the games and supporting Danny and Nicky then who come over as a coach at Concord and watching their success. And obviously they managed to get into step two in the National League South, um, uh, which was an amazing achievement for, you know, Concord Rangers to do that and Danny and Nicky and the club to do that. And I watched them for several seasons, you know, be really successful at step two as well as a really small football club. So that was really important. Um, time come, obviously they went, Danny and Nicky left, moved on. Conkle went through a couple of different types of managers and Sammy Moore came into the club and he got the manager's job and I was still around and he asked me and kept asking me if I wanted to come in and help and be a coach for the football team. Um, I felt it was the right time. My boys were a little bit older now. I felt I had the right experience to come in as coach. And so I did. I sort of come back up just after, I think just before Christmas, actually, I come back in as a, as a coach for Sammy Moore as part of his coaching team. And we went on and had a really good season that year and Concord finished in the playoffs. Uh, finished third. We weren't able to play in the playoffs because we didn't have enough seats in the ground, uh, which is quite another story, but uh, it was a bit of a disappointment at the time, but it was still a good season to be able to finish third. And at the end of that season, again, Sammy Moore left the football club and um, it was sort of left to me and the Ant Smith, the chairman, and he said, do you want the job again? And I sort of felt like I'd gone back in, in time a little bit in that, but I felt I was more ready than I was probably the first time I took the job and uh, I looked at it, I spoke to my family about it and then I took the job again. And um i did two seasons under covid which was you know broken mm. seasons the seasons that finished early but really yeah. enjoyed it at national south and i felt i'd watched it for a long while so i had a bit of knowledge of of the level and really enjoyed it i got um lee minchell come in as my assistant and adam drew as my recruitment and scott mm -hmm. wagstaff as our analysis we've got a really good group of people and james roach and darren leach and it was really good and it was almost like doing it with your friends and yeah. which is what you need at times and i had two good seasons obviously we managed to get to the fa trophy final as conical rangers mm -hmm. which was you know, real hard work from everybody and you know, real good success to be able to do that. And, and we had that final, it was delayed final. It was played a year after it was supposed to be and with no supporters at Wembley, but we still had our day, which was important and unfortunately mm. lost on the day. But it was a real, as I said, real good achievement for Concord Rangers to be able to get to that final. And, and then after that, I just felt that I needed maybe a change and I felt the football club probably 
was looking to go in a different direction to where I wanted to go and I felt I needed to move away from a club that I'd been at uh, for a long, long time and, you know, was a sort of player, manager, supporter, committee member there and I wanted to go to somewhere else and try and be a, a football manager where I was away from friends or people and have a little bit more pressure on myself to go and try and be successful and so I took the gamble of moving away from Concord at the time and sort of sat out of a job for sort of five or six months and waited for a couple of opportunities come up and didn't sort of uh, come through and then I spoke to Avery Football Club and they were looking for a new manager and looking to make a change and I felt it was a club you know it was a drop down in levels in terms of where I'd been at step two to step four but I felt it was a good opportunity to go in and at a level that I uh, I didn't really know too much about at mm. the time, but I felt it'd be a good chance for me to go and try and be successful. I felt Averley had all the facilities and the infrastructure to try and have a good season. They were sitting seventh at the time and a little bit off the off the lead. I just thought I could go in and have an impact. And we did. We went in, me and Lee Mitchell as my assistant manager and Scott Wagstaff as our analysis. And, and we did quite well. We managed to catch up. Probably Brad won't like me for reminding him, but we managed to catch Canview, who were top of the league at the time when we come in and, and we beat, um, managed to win the league with them obviously going in, in going up via the playoffs as well. Mm. We managed to get promotion out of step four at our sort of first attempt and in a short space of time at the club and it put us into step three at Averley. Um, obviously, we went into step three as a bit of an underdog and mm. no one expected us we hadn't been in that league for 10 years as Averley Football Club and no one expected us probably to do very well but I felt we could do well and we took a lot of the boys that we'd got promoted from step four and we added some good quality to that and we were fortunate enough to be in and around the playoffs for most of the season and get into the playoffs at the end of the season and again we we beat Canvey in the first playoff game uh, which is a real tight game and on penalties and managed to then have to go to Hornchurch in the playoff final and won that and that ended us up back where we are this season in National League South so just yeah cut a long story short <laughs> waffle on a bit there but that's that's me and where I'm at so far really. No, to be fair, the the fact that you could sum up pretty much the whole footballing journey in about five to seven minutes is a uh, is is a bit of a testament to you, mate. If you're totally honest, that's very very good. No, it's, it's a quite a lot to break down there. I think the it's nice that you know, obviously, you, you your youth career speaks for itself, and and the fact that you went to Waker and then you kind of had a little bit of a dip. Then you ended up coming back to Wakering, having that time. It's quite nice. It comes a bit full circle. And then you, your affinity with Concord, that's that's, a, that's a, a long amount of time to be involved with a club. And, and the fact that, you know, you can say that, you, you know, you've got the Cowleys involved and look at what they're doing now. Like, you know, what's your view on them taking the Colchester United job? I think that's a, I think that's a really good move for them, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Obviously, I don't know the the full mm. ins and outs. I still speak mm. to Dan and Nicky on a regular basis, on a on a weekly basis. Sometimes with Dan when we can, and keep keeping contact in terms of that. And yeah, it, yeah, I think it's probably a job that he probably had opportunities to take maybe previously and in in the past, and mm. and it probably would have been a bit, a good job for him back back a few years ago before he sort of went to off to Lincoln and other trips yeah. and stuff like that. But it didn't prevail, it didn't happen, and I think the timing's probably right now for them to get back in and yeah, I've no doubt that they will go on be successful there. I think if they're left to do the way they work and to be in control mm -hmm. and look after everything in terms of that football club, I think they can help Colchester Fortunes. I think it's a really important, really good football club. It's a big football club, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably just not had the success on the pitch that the facilities and infrastructure deserve. And I'm sure Dan and Nick will go in and have a real impact in that. And it'd be a case of trying to survive this year. I think they've just got to try and stay in the division and yeah. certainly 
see them build into the build in the summer and add some good players and and Colchester should be moving forward come next season under Dan and Nick. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um when, when I think it was an incredibly you know in the nicest way possible a very safe appointment from a Colchester perspective. Like know the leagues inside out in in terms of their success at Lincoln, Huddersfield, uh, and you know many others and and they were Portsmouth weren't they as well. So I think that's incredibly wise move from Colchester and I think a very forward thinking kind of appointment as well and I think that certainly sets them up nicely for the future and with them being a um you know a working well with young players they seem to have a, a good affinity of working young players and that's a very young squad at Colchester and I think it's it's certainly a right fit so I definitely echo your sentiment there Danny and, and then the final bit I wanted to talk about in terms of your journey was around you know taking Concord to the FA Trophy final I think that's a, an incredible achievement I think you know we always say like cup there's always the magic of the cup and the cup, a cup run is always incredibly special but i suppose you know at the time what what was the feeling like around the club you know was was it you know my non-league knowledge is obviously you know quite limited at the moment but i'm, I'm learning but what was concord fancied in that competition was it quite an underdog kind of story or was it or you know did you just very much take each day as it, each game as it came and 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 dealt with the uh you know how much, you know, the struggles and, and the, you know, the games as a whole when you were playing them. Yeah, it was a, it's a really exciting journey to mm. be honest. It's going back to your sort of first question, really, where we fancied for it, probably not. I don't think mm. we'd probably got past the uh, second qualifying round in a few years. And, and, you know, there's some big football clubs in there in terms yeah. of, um, you know, step one football clubs and, and full-time football clubs. So it is really challenging and um, Concord obviously never really had the budget or, mm. you know, which is fine and was always an underdog in National South. And I think the 10 seasons that they survived in National South was full credit to Danny Cowley and, and, yeah. and Nicky Cowley and then others after that that sort of followed um, because... Um, it's a real tough league and, and in terms of budget and facilities and location, it's really difficult for Concord Rangers. So yeah, I don't think no one would have fancied us. And it's almost a footballing miracle, I think, that, you know, we managed to get there. And we had to go, I think the FA Trophy had replays then. So I think yeah. we had... We had two replays. They had extra time in it as well. I think we had extra time twice and penalty shootouts twice. And I think we played seven or eight games and we had to play some full-time teams. Maidstone, we had to play in it as well. And yeah. uh, City, we had to play twice. And Slough, we were really good established non-league, National League South uh, teams. And, and then even going down the line, we'd play National North in Leamington and then Royston, who were step-free but flying at the time. And... And then it obviously that was got us to the semi-final against Howes Owen. And what happened was obviously the COVID hit and we, the, the Howes Owen was a double-legged semi-final. Cool. Uh, so you're going to play were away first leg and then at home. And it was all set up and I think Howes Owen had sold out all their tickets and it was going to be a full house there mm. and three and a half, four thousand people. And we were expecting the same back at Concord for the second leg. And it's really exciting because it'd been really exciting. And the, the tension and the interest have been building every round and mm -hmm. the support had been getting better. And, you know, we probably had three games at home where we had full on pitch invasions and, yeah, you yeah. know, packed out aspect arena and you know all our youth teams got involved and all the parents and it, it was really good it was really something to be proud of and something to be really involved in a lot of hard work from people and it probably reward for Concord Rangers you know all the hard work people are putting over the years um, as a football club and 
obviously the semi-final got postponed and mm. and then it was almost like yeah that's it you're not going to get your day you're not going to get your semi-final and then no chance of a final if you win and we almost all felt at the football club that that was it it was done and covid had, had uh, put paid to us with an opportunity to get to Wembley but the club worked quite hard and they worked quite hard with the FA and, and yeah. the league to try and get that replayed and we actually played the semi-final of the FA trophy in the pre-season of the following season which I, I don't think will ever happen again in, in yeah, football. It's quite rare. It was behind closed doors so you know obviously you couldn't have nobody in the ground but we then had four or five hundred people in the bar and in a marquee in the in the clubhouse which so it didn't quite make sense that they couldn't mm. stand outside and watch the game but then they could watch it in the clubhouse on a tv screen and obviously we managed to get over the line and we had a slightly different team then because obviously things have moved and non-league football yeah. players move on and a lot of our players have got better offers and better better things they couldn't hang around for us and didn't know that this was going to happen and obviously so we had a slightly different team so i don't think they'll probably have people that hadn't played a game in any of the competition for us and probably played in the same competition for another team and then played for us in a semi-final so i'm not sure how that works out but yeah yeah we ended up playing it and winning it and um and then it was sort of delayed obviously there was a final at wembley to be had and then mm. that was delayed again because of covid and we didn't have a date and it looked like it was going to get scrapped again because they didn't want to obviously overrun into the other competition but again everybody worked quite hard and they managed to give us a date in may to to play it but again that was behind closed doors so mm. that was a great day it was a real good day obviously to lead your team out at wembley is is, is amazing and uh there was a tinge of disappointment because we couldn't have our supporters there well, of course my dad was there to watch but my family my wife and my kids couldn't come and watch and a lot of our players didn't have their wives partners and and family and mums and dads on what was their biggest day they had to watch on tv which is fortunately it was on bt so they could watch it but yeah you know, that's something that probably doesn't happen very often to a lot of footballers and people involved in football and even supporters and for them to have to miss that it's probably always going to be a little bit of disappointment with that occasion but as you said i think it was a massive achievement and a, almost a footballing miracle to be able to get to that final and something i'll be proud of and i think that everybody can be proud of that put a lot of effort into to getting us there yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, you know, like you said, even though the people couldn't be there, you know, in terms of the club's history, it'll be etched in history for for rest, like, you know, cup runs for clubs like, you know, Concord, like Averley are, are absolutely worth their weight in gold. And, and in terms of the, you know, connection you get with the fans because they love a cup run and it, you know it's that beauty of beauty of the fan club connection but then there's also you know hopefully the financial gain that you get out of it as well which is absolutely superb so I want to kind of focus on Averley now I think it's, it's important because you know from from the outside it, it seems an incredibly well-run club and a club that's certainly on the up like this season um you obviously I think just you're just in the playoffs aren't you currently in the National League South yeah. which is yeah seventh yeah which which is absolutely incredible for a team that's just gone up and I, I think you know from your perspective I know you alluded it to early you said obviously not many to you maybe a little bit of an underdog maybe Averley were you know not really fancy but you know you obviously saw a lot in Averley and 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 of of masterminded a really really good start to the season what would you say are the main reasons for this incredible start that you've had would you say 
Yeah, well, we when obviously we went in and uh, from the very day dot, we tried to get some consistency in what we do. And, uh, you know, we have principles around how we want to play and what we want to do. And then consistency in us as a management team and what how we talk to players, how we ask players to perform and how we want them to play. And we always stuck with that. And that's, you know, we've carried that from step four. And I think part of our achievement is then principles that we had in place that everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's on the same page and that's yeah. held us in good stead to get the two promotions and get us into national South. And we haven't really changed much from that. You know, we've, we've, it's a good place to be because, you know, we went into step three as an underdog. We went into national league South as a, as an underdog. And I think, you know, if you look, look on, social media we weren't expected to win a game at national south and everybody had us to go straight down and mm. i love that because that's a great challenge isn't it it gives you something you can't get no worse than that so everyone expects it so they, you know it can only get better can't it really and i think we've embraced that and we've sort of looked at keeping our principles the same we've looked at focusing on you know trying to get the right players in the building and the right people in the building i think that's really important and we want people that want to be part of Averley football club we want people that want to be successful and are hungry to kick on we have to understand where we are in the food chain and mm -hmm. we are a smaller club and some of our players already have kicked on and moved on and we've replaced them with others that we can hope do the same as well so i think as long as you're clear where you are and there's you know and there's principles and you're all on the same page i think you can do great things then and you've got good people in the building and, and and a good structure and we've got good people behind the scenes in the building as well and I think you can do great things and I think what we're doing this year is you know is, is a really great in terms of where where people expected us to be and got a lot of hard work still to go and a lot of games still to play and the challenge is to try and be as competitive as we can for as long as we can and obviously get safe that's the first challenge and we sort of targeted around that 50 point mark and got ourselves to 42 and got two yeah. games coming up that we want to try and get there as quick as possible and then sort of reevaluate where we want to go but I think to answer your question I think it's consistency mm -hmm. and it's good people and making sure you've got good people in the building that want to want to be successful with you and, and and all on the same page yeah I, I think it's a really important thing like you can have you know game winners you can have some incredibly talented players but if they're not the right i suppose cultural fit for the for the football club and don't align to the values of the football club i think that's super important it, it's you know the it just doesn't work and i think it's it's great that you kind of have that alignment of you know you need the right players firstly you need you need talent obviously that's that's a that's a key principle but the fact that you know they're aligning to the values of Averley and and they want to play for the club and and, and they are built in and and you know um really accustomed and aligned to what you're really trying to achieve which is great i think you know also uh, you know, when I spoke to Danny and when we spoke to Brad, it's super important that, you know, the people above as well, you have good, good people above the club, you know, the, you know, the chairman position and, and the chief executive position, because, you know, ultimately your vision and their vision really need to align. And if you're both aligned, that then has the recipe of, you know, that they trust what you're doing and it, put, it alleviates maybe a little bit of pressure off you because you know that you have the trust in them and you can really, you know, in, impart your principles on the players right so it's, it's really interesting that you say that um you know in terms of in terms of like you know one thing that we always say in 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 the or in the efl sesh pod is you know defense wins championships obviously attacking super important you know uh, what would you say is you know 
for someone that doesn't know who Egli are, would you say you're more of an attacking team or would you say you're more of a defending team? What's what's the kind, you know, and, and play on the counter attack? Kind of what is your kind of philosophy? Have you been really good at defence and that's been a real key kind of ingredient for you or has it been very potent in attack this season? Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I, obviously, I was a, I was a defender and grew up. Well, I grew Yeah. up as a midfielder, and then I, when they realised I couldn't run as far, then they put me as a defender. So, um, and I, so I've always started my teams from the back, and I think you have to build that way. And it sounds a bit old school, but I think if you see goals, you always stand an opportunity to score goals, and to other teams make mistakes that can give you goals. So you've always got that. So yeah, I looked at us a step three. We probably had one of the best defensive records. We probably didn't score as many goals as as we needed, but um, we had the best defensive record, and that probably got us into the into the plus at step three. So that was something we needed to carry into National League South was important. But I almost looked at it a little bit different to what I normally do, and I'd always build from the back, and I'd always make sure we we were solid defensively, and a, a goal we got. really experienced goalkeeper in Jonathan North that's been massive for us and played the level and, and been around, played over 400 games for, for Wildstone. So he's a real, you know, focal point in what we want to do and he sort of helps others and makes us defend really well. But we'd always try and defend as a team, but we all... almost looked at it a little bit different this year and we just went we always wanted to be solid against the ball and make sure we were really tough to play against but we tried to play on the front foot so we went 4-4-2 at the start of the season without going into too many tactics went 4-4-2 Yeah, of course. and we played up front and I felt that was really brave probably of us and I was a little bit nervous about doing it but we signed obviously John Benton and, and, and Matt Rush and Charlie Hughes and we had some real good attacking players in the team and I wanted to utilise them so we went 4-4-2 we thought oh, the best form of defence would be attack and Yeah. just go and press teams in their half and try and keep the ball in their half for as long as possible and keep it away from our goal and Probably when I'd been in at Concord Rangers, I'd probably done it the other way around where we sort of sat back and we almost defended quite a lot and tried to nick something on the break or just trying to stay in the game. And I felt that Avery and the players that I signed at the start of the season, the players I had, I didn't think that suited that model. And I wanted to give them the confidence that we, yeah, we can go and win games in this league. We can be successful. We're not going to just sit behind the ball and be that underdog that nicks results. And, and we did that and we made a flying start on that and we were really on the front foot. We were really aggressive, but always with a focus of what happens when we lose the ball. And when we lost the ball, we had to work really hard. And that's probably one of our fundamentals. And we have to work hard and we have to defend as a team because if we don't, we'd get opened up and we'd get punished. So Yeah. Uh, we're trying to evolve as a team. Um, obviously, getting a few wins and getting ourselves in a good position has given us that license. We're not fighting for our life at the bottom. We've still got work to do, but it's given us that license to stay on the front foot and be aggressive and try and press te
you know, regrouped and, you know, I've, I've full credit to my squad of players because they've all stepped up and we've got a few boys that have come all the way from step four um, to step two with, with us and that, and we've added the quality with it and the right characters, as we said. So, yeah, we, we'd always focus on defending first and making sure we're hard to play against, but we have been really front foot and really aggressive, we feel, and I don't think there's been any games so far, that's wood, that we haven't been competitive in. And, you know, even when we played in some cup games, we played some full-time teams yeah. and National North and we played Barnet from the National League and AFC Fylde and Dagenham yeah. Red you know, in a recent cup and we've gone on the front foot and tried to be really aggressive so I probably answer to your question we always focus on that defensive structure if we feel that's really important but you can do that while being aggressive and trying to keep the ball in the uh, in the opposition half and that's another way that you can defend and what we've tried to do this season. Definitely sounds like a uh, a nice combination. I think that's, you know, definitely gets fans on side, you know, being on the front foot and trying to, you know, go at teams and having that kind of positivity. And I think it's nice because, you know, you're going up potentially as an underdog and it's good that you're just giving teams a right good go, right? Because ultimately, you know, I think teams that stay probably in, in the National League South and then there's consolidated teams, they're always hard to beat, but they... You know, you you know you're going to go to Avery and you're going to have a tough match, and it's like you're not going to be rolled over, and and everyone's aligned, everyone's playing for this from the same hymn sheet, and I think that you know that gets you to to where you are in the upper echelons of the league. So that, and it's testament to you, Danny, and I think it's testament to the team. Yeah. I think I think you obviously alluded to, and it's one of my questions because obviously you've this season you're kind of fighting on quite a few fronts. You've obviously got the National League South. You've obviously alluded to it. You've beaten teams like Fylde and, and Dagenham Redbridge in the FA Trophy, and 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 during the Essex senior cup i think as well you're in loads of different competitions how's that um obviously when we see like you know premier league teams and efl teams you know fighting on multiple cup fronts that can obviously sometimes i'll say derail their season but obviously it, it stretches the resource right and it stretches the team you're playing what two or three times a week potentially based on based on when cup games happen and especially at non-league level you know fixtures can stack up because you get postponements you know based on based on pitch quality and etc etc et so f from your side how, how how have you approached this season from your perspective bearing in mind you're still in quite a lot of competitions and how has that really stretched the squad as you will yeah i think i think it does stretch you we haven't got the biggest budget you know mm. no excuses we have to work with a certain budget and don't have the biggest numbers in the building of, of players so if you get a few injuries or suspensions which is sometimes happens it can have an effect on you and if you've got to go saturday then midweek monday tuesdays and, and play your games it can be really tough but um, i'm all for playing as many games as possible in a season and i think the more games you play in a season then the more successful you been you know and I want to play every game I can possibly play in a season so that means we have to try and win cup games and I think we owe it to the supporters and going back to what we just spoke about I think teams playing on the front foot being aggressive working hard trying I think that's what supporters demand don't they yeah. they pay their money they come in they want to see their team fighting for their shirt and fighting for their badge and trying to score and trying to attack and trying to get balls in the box so I think that aligns together with what the supporters want so it's our job and my job as a manager to give them a team that does that and I think we owe it to the supporters also to compete in every competition and every supporter wants a cup run every supporter wants a cup final don't 
don't they? And it's not always possible. And obviously where we are now at, uh, at step two, there's not a lot of competitions that you probably would go, yeah, we can go and we can go and win, you know, at the start of the season, people wouldn't expect us to. So I think your things like your Essex Senior Cup and, and your FA Trophy become really important. And we've got another cup we're in as well in the Thameside Trophy, which yeah. is limited to can play in that in terms of players because of their status at step two but again it gives us an opportunity for young players and some of our youth players to play in that which is really important but yeah I, I think we owe it to the supporters to compete in every game we play in and and that might cause us problems down the line it might give us issues with build up of games mm. but I think that's what we want and I think if you ask any player they want to play in every game they'd rather play than train so then midweek games become uh, important for them as well and like I said I think it keeps your squad going it keeps your momentum and going back when we played in step three we were right fighting in the playoffs and we had the uh, Velocity Cup which is the League Cup the Ismian League Cup sure. and we were in the later stages of that and a lot of teams pull out of that if they're around the playoffs but uh, we didn't want to do that we wanted to try and win that and we knew the final was right before we sort of went into a real busy schedule and trying to secure we needed a few extra points to make our playoff place and we went for it and we played a strong team in the semi the court final and the semi-final got to the final and then we actually won the final before it was fortunate enough it was at Averley's ground which was we, yeah. yeah we we won the final against uh, Potter's Bar after beating Chatham on penalties in the semi-final and, and and it's brilliant you know it was a great night for our supporters and it gives the team that sort of yeah we can be winners it almost made us give us the confidence to go on and sort of playing competitive one-off games in the playoff and and get them wins. I think it played a big part in that. And I think that's the challenge this year. And obviously we've got a real tough draw in the next round against Hashtag or again, another team yeah. that's done really well in non-league football and flying through the pyramid, which is really, really good and really impressive. And we've got to go to them and away from home game. But it's a game we want to go full strength. It's a game we want to try and win and get in the semi-final because there's a final at Colchester at the end of the day. And that's mm. a day out for our supporters. And 100%. I owe it to them as a manager and my players owe it to them as players to try and be competitive in every front and to win that, stay around the playoffs. Yeah, we'll be challenging. Of course it will, but I think that's what we're here for. And as I said, we want to play every game we can possibly play in a season. And the more games you've played in a season, then the more successful you've been. So, you know, I think we have to embrace that and not sort of, go against it and not use it as an excuse. Let's just see how far we can go. And, and we treat every game as a cup final. We've said that from day one. We've said every game's a cup final. We either win it, we lose it, we draw it, and we move on quickly. And we've done that all season. So any cup competition becomes the same for us as well. Love that. No, I love that mentality. It's, um, you know, I think some, some, uh, some teams certainly maybe don't put as much emphasis on the cup competitions, but it's nice that you do certainly. And you've obviously, like you alluded to, you've got some really exciting draws coming up. Like the hashtag one is a really exciting one. Mm. Um, trying to get Jay, Jay Devereaux on the, on the pod as well. That'd be an interesting conversation. Yeah, nice. Great guy, Jay. Great guy. Yeah, hundred percent. But, um, but you know, you obviously they're following and, and their reach that obviously, you know, you playing them, you get exposure, right? It increases the exposure of the club, which is ex ex exceptional. And obviously in the uh, FA trophy, you've got Bromley away in the next, in the next uh, round, which is, you go, they're the national league team, aren't they? They're pretty much yeah. like flying high in the national league yeah, yeah. second, aren't they? So they're, that's again, a great, 
great draw for you and a great day out for the supporters and also for the players. And like when you're playing, you know, in terms of Bromley, like high league opposition, you know, that that is where you step up. And I think that's where the team kind of grow. You learn probably lots from them, them kind of games as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, why not? Why not give it a go? You know, you've beaten Dagenham Redbridge, who, you know, I've I've always kind of followed in 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 league, you know football league they've been a very established league football league team for many many seasons and again just it's it's just great to see and I I, I like that mentality so you know good luck for them games I think it's uh you know it'd yeah. be great great to uh, see see even more kind of cup success from your perspective so yeah we'd be keeping a well me and Joe will certainly be keeping uh, tabs on that mate no appreciate that well yeah we'll be going we'll be going we obviously Bromley's probably the toughest draw you can yeah. probably get I think probably. out there when it come out the hat it's probably the toughest one but something we can embrace because we go in there with nothing to lose and as you said it gives our players a platform to go and show what they can do as well and we have to embrace that and I'll be encouraging them to step up and show what they can do against mm-hmm. you know full-time footballers and, and a real good team in in Bromley that's really successful and been previous finalist in the FA Trophy as well mm-hmm. so yeah it'd be really tough we know that but like you said magic of the cup and ties over 90 minutes as well can you, you never know on the day and uh i say we can really enjoy that day and go and make try and make it as hard as we possibly can for bromley to beat us and if they do beat us then fair play to them hopefully they go on and be successful in the competition yeah exactly if i say if you do go out you always want to go out to the team that probably win it because then you can you can say that can't you to the uh yeah, to the other teams good. you know we did lose to the fight we did lose to the winners so you know it's yeah. fine um <laughs> No, it's good. Um, I suppose while we're in a transfer window in the EFL right now, I think it's important uh, um, to to see what it's like in the National League. So, you know, what's your approach to transfers? I know, of, um, you know, Danny and, and Brad have told us about, you know, the seven day rule before speaking to certain players and, and, and you know, how that particularly works. But from an Avely perspective, you know, how do you approach the transfer window? Or I know, there's no, you know, I'm not saying that there's a transfer window because you can recruit players whenever, but you know, specifically now, I think mid season when, you, like you said, you've got loads of cup competitions. How do you approach that? Do you speak to the chief executive first and get kind of an idea from them about what kind of players you want, or is that very much autonomous just to you and you can just really see this is what we need in the squad and these are the players that I'm kind of targeting? How does that work from your perspective? Yeah, yeah, it's something we we control. Obviously, we get we get a budget and we get a weekly budget or a monthly budget, and that's what we have to work to. And one thing I always ask is that our budget remains the same from start to to end. And what it said it's going to be at the beginning, it becomes that at the end, and yeah. that's what happens at Avely, and they do that very very well. So me and Scott who, uh, Wagstaff, who's my analysis guy, and sort of runs our budget. We look at what we've got available and and what we can spend and and what what we've got, and that sort of did, did sometimes determines where you need to go shopping and where you need to look in terms of players so um, we're always out we've got a few people that work behind the scenes with us in terms of going to watch games and I try and watch as many games as I possibly can whether that be live or we have access to various um, um, for a certain level of games and that but if you want to go and watch step four step two uh, sorry step three step four step five even lower than that to find the next gem you have to get out there and about and you have to talk to various people and have conversations and you know people 
bring up names and say, oh, he's really doing well. Right, okay, let's add him to the list. Let's go and watch them games. And all the lower clubs probably don't appreciate that, but that's the yeah. nature of the, the food chain, so to speak. And we're having the same issues going the other way. But yeah, we we have to obviously spend within our means at Averley. And so we have to look for up and coming players. And we sometimes have to look for the boys that maybe have had disappointments where they've maybe done quite well um, to get to a certain level and it's not worked out for them as, as well. And they've dropped back a little bit and we might have to get them in and put an arm around the shoulder and try and help them become uh, achieve what they want to achieve and become better players and we, we accept that and then we're looking for the younger ones that want to step up and um, can step up the level and you know like the ones we've brought with us and we want to add them to our building as well and we feel that they can come in and sometimes we have to take gambles on people because you don't know how they're going to adapt to the environment or how they're going to adapt to the level till they come in but we do a lot of homework we do a lot of research we look at individuals go back to what we said earlier about characters and are they the right characters and where do they live location wise you know is it going to be trouble for them to get there backwards and forwards so our recruitment has a real structure to it that's quite in depth behind the scenes that we sort of look at everything and we're very patient in what we do and we like to show loyalty and time to the ones we've got in the building we like to give them an opportunity um we're not a management team or and i don't want to be a football club that changes its players on a weekly basis because mm. i don't think that works at times um i don't think the fans enjoy that when they've got a three or four different names on the team sheet every week and I think fans and I'm very much in trying to make a football team what the fans want because they pay their money and they're part of it and they want their favourites they want to produce a song to sing about someone but they don't want to produce a new song every week for a new player so you have to change and things do move and some players have to go out unfortunately that's the sad part of it at times we don't mm. like to lose anybody but we have to um, but we want to build a team that the the fan support and that's something important for Averley Football Club and ideally if we can stay in the division this year it gives us that chance to build again and keep keep some of the players that we've got and add some new ones and then keep hold of people and, and look after people within our building and get that affiliation with Averley as we said at the start but so our recruitment is we're all quite patient in terms of that but we like the boys we've got in the building we want to give them the opportunity and we want to try and help them first and you know ultimately you get injuries or people get taken off you and then that's when our recruitment process comes into place and we've always got options we've got big black book of people and names and contacts that we can talk to and yeah. sometimes if it's maybe someone's injured or suspended for a period of time you have to dip into that loan market and we feel we're quite good at that we've got some good connections within that mm. where we can bring young lads in to sort of fill gaps and which is important that also helps with a budget at times because you can sometimes get some good value loans and these young lads need experience so the, the price you pay for them is a little bit less and that helps yeah. with our budget but yeah like i say in terms of there's a real process that goes behind the scenes in terms of recruitment and we try and just jump into things and we want to sign somebody we want it to be right for us but we also want it to be right for them as a player we want it to be right that they can come in and be happy and enjoy the environment they can get there it's not a slog getting in and out that you know into the training into the, uh, the matches um it's what they want to do as much as what we want them to do in terms of coming in the building because i feel yeah. if you get 
the right people in the building that are happy that they're there, then you can start working with them and then you can show them that you care about them. And once you show them you can care, then you can show them what you know. And that leads to hopefully a happy environment for that player. And I think if players are happy, you get the best out of them mm. and you can push more out of them. And that's yeah. what we try and create. And that's what we want to do with our recruitment process in getting them right bodies in the building. No, that's, that's, that's an incredibly good summary about the you know how how you approach it. I think it's important, um, like you said, it, it's targeting the right. It's sometimes the right time. So you know, like you said, it could be a player that's had maybe some disappointment from being at maybe a higher level club, and you they need just to build their confidence back up. And it's you you provide an environment to do that, or it's about you know scouting in the lower lower echelons and and understanding that you know. There might not be a player for now, but there will certainly be a player for the future, and they can fit into the they can fit into that, and and it will give them you know you can unlock something out of them. Yeah. I, I think a lot of what I'm sitting, what I'm hearing is certainly is a lot of it is is a lot of research that goes into it. But secondly, I think I think gut feel comes into it. So it's like if you feel that they're not the right player or they're not maybe going to fit in the squad. I think sometimes gut has to totally take priority a little bit on that because you don't want to bring in a bad egg that's going to derail the derail the dressing room or derail the people within the squad, right? So no, that's, that's super interesting. But it's really good that you've got like you know you have the budget, you know they're pretty consistent with what the budget is, and and you have that firm direction, and then you like you said you don't want to you you, you recruit within your means rather than you know doing some like outrageous side in that puts you in the red. That's not you know that's potentially going to be hard to hard to you know um recoup if that if that particular transfer doesn't you know um yeah. work out um yeah. i've got two last questions because i you know i know you're a very very busy man and uh, you've provided so much information and, and insight already it's been super fascinating so yeah. for for my first question is predictions for the rest of the season i know you've kind of alluded to it you kind of like want to establish yourself you know get to that 50 point mark and see what happens but if you were to put a crystal ball in the kind of and and predict Avery's rest of the season or what you hope it would be what would it be yeah. Well, my heart says I want to win the Essex Senior Cup. I want to Love win it. the FA Trophy and I want to get in the playoffs. That's what my heart says. And mm. that's what I'm going to try and do. But realistically, we've, from day one, we've gone one game at a time. And it sounds really boring and not, not going to get you many extra viewers, maybe. <laughs> but we're one game at a time. And our first aim as a newly promoted football club in this level for the first time mm. ever is to stay in it and go again in the following season. Can we get survive and give Abley the opportunity to have another season in it and, and grow as a football club and a lot goes on behind the scenes a lot is going on behind the scenes uh, to make sure we're, we are able to start this level we've got a brand new beautiful stadium but it still needs improvement it still needs things added to mm. it unfortunately and to, to compete at the level we're at now and because we move quickly then that's got to be done and we've got a certain period of done that so it's my job to make sure that Averley stay in the division so that we can that all that work's not wasted on on a, a on the stadium and, and and all the hard work from people behind the scenes so our first aim is to stay in the division that's we've got to get to that 50 point mark as quickly as possible and then we can have that mentality of how far how far can we take it to the next level and you know I'm, I'm confident in what we do I'm confident in the group of players I've got in you know in our dressing room they're giving me everything they got as a, as, as individuals and as a collective uh, group of players and the club is giving us everything we've got and I'm giving everything we've got in terms of that and I think if you do that then you can you can dream big can't you but you have to go small steps at a time and you have to focus on them 
one game at a time and one moment at a time. Because I think if you look too far ahead, then it becomes looks at almost it can become harder at times because you're looking going, well, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Or that period's going to be tough. Or oh, we've got to play them and their full time mm. team. And yeah, let's look at one challenge at a time and tick them off and get them out of the way and see how far we can take it. And I think this season's already been a success. But I look in the eyes of my players in the dressing room and I look at the club and I hear the fans singing on a weekly basis and there's more to be had and you know we can't just be happy with survival that's the first aim but come on let's see how far we can take it and you know we've already done a miracle to compete and be a, you know get them as well compared to what people said at the start of the season so you know i think we've got to keep ticking them off keep moving forward enjoying the ride as well i think that's really important isn't it enjoy the rest of the season and you know we've been to some wonderful grounds and some new grounds and new teams we're playing against and new teams coming you know we got yeovil coming to a yeah. football club in a few time that's just you know you'd never have thought that two three years ago so it's important that we embrace that and enjoy it but like i say i think to answer your question my my dream is to try and push as hard as we possibly can and be as successful as we possibly can until we get to that last game that we've played and mm. and then we can sit down and look ourselves in the mirror and be happy with what we've done hopefully and and then the hard work starts again because you've got to try and back it up and try and improve again that you know, that's that definitely a hundred percent, and it's it's a nice mentality to have. I'm looking forward to when we rekindle uh, a, a pod appearance in in May or June, and you've won the FA Trophy, you've won the Essex Senior Cup, and you've gone up in the division via the playoffs. So I'm looking forward to that conversation, Danny. Yeah, we'll book it in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last question is, I suppose, um, you know, we we obviously want to grow the kind of non-league following, and, and uh, you know learn more about non-league you know have you got any recommendations for who we should get on the pod from your network that you think we should try and try and tap up from your side yeah yeah i think essex is uh, essex alone or the mm. south of you know there's such a hotbed isn't it of football and so many different characters in terms of players and managers mm. and people behind the scenes and kit men and you know everybody that's involved in it is you know, they all give up a lot of time and a lot of effort some for not a lot of money or you know or actually losing money for doing it they all do it for the love of the game and non-league football gives you that doesn't it it makes yeah. you enjoy it. it makes you excited and there's never a day go past where it doesn't surprise me in terms of what i hear or what i read or what i see and it's such an amazing thing and you know like no different to people that follow the efl or follow yeah. the premiership and just football in general isn't it and there's so many good characters out there that and you know i've got full respect for anybody that steps across the lot steps the other side of the line and wants to be a coach or wants to be a manager because it's it's hard work it's tough it takes you know to try and do that alongside your other job and do that alongside you know the pressures and the stress that it comes yeah. it's much harder than i was a player for a long long time and it's much harder than that and it's not not a sub story from me but i know mm. it is and people have to work hard at it and you know it's and it sometimes can be really uh, absorbing on your life and so i think anybody that steps across has got my uh, steps on to be a coach or a manager has got my full admiration for that. And there's a lot of good guys around in mm. the Essex area and stuff. And I think it'd be good if you could get Danny and Nikki on maybe. And I'd love I'd that. Like to try and do that if I, if I can. So that would be the, the, the top maybe, yeah, yeah. but I, I, 
in honesty, I, I don't want to pick out individuals, but I think anybody that you got around, you know, step four, step two, mm. uh, step three, step twos, you'd you'd have a great, they'd have great stories, they'd have great information, no mm. different to myself, and they all want to be successful, and they all give their their life to it at times, and I think you'd be, you know, anybody that come on would be a really good podcast in terms of that, and maybe a little bit less boring than me, maybe, so... <laughs> Good luck. Oh, you, you're, you're, you're too modest. Like, honestly, yeah. no, this has been such an incredible conversation and one that, you know, I, I think has provided a lot of insight. It's, it's been great to learn more about kind of, you know, your career, your football education, but also it's it's a different perspective in terms of like how your philosophy and, and you seem someone that's really sticks to your principles and you have a really, you know, kind of, key eye and how you want to play football and how you want to run your club which is a really nice way of of looking at things because it's as fans we just don't see that we 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 just see the you know the the results on the pitch and and that but there's lots of planning there's lots of drilling into and also you know yeah I say drilling into the players that this is the way we want to play this is the way we want to show our supporters how we play but there's so much that goes into it. And and like you said, with any manager or coach, it can be a very lonely job and a very stressful job. So no, your insight's been incredible. Um, well, we'll finish the interview there, Danny. I really appreciate your time. And, and I think everyone will really uh, love this interview that we've had. It's, it's It's been great. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you for your time. And yeah, some really good questions as well. So yeah, no, 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 make it easier to answer them sort of questions as well, because they're, they're good questions. And you know, you've got good feedback for them. And hopefully people enjoy it. And uh, hopefully your podcast goes on and achieves great things as well, because you're doing a really good job and to give up your time for something you're passionate about as well, sort of inspires me as well. So you know, fair play to you guys. Oh, that's just really, really kind of you. You know, it's, it's been um you know, it's, it's much of a delight for us. Well, we love doing the podcast and we love doing, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's just a passion of ours. And, you know, as fans, it just having that, you know, draw behind the curtain is just such a a, a, a delight. And, and to hear about, like you say, all the different stories. So, you know, your one is your one is especially, you know, really insightful and, and really kind of, you know, very much a success story of how you've how you've grown. So, you know, we'll finish it there, Danny. Thank you so much. Um, we'll be back in a minute after this interview. Um, we'll be back with the Predictions League. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, we'll see you in a moment. Thank you. Hello, 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 and welcome back after, you know what, an absolutely sensational interview. I thoroughly enjoyed the chat I had with Danny, really insightful bloke, really lovely guy, um, you know, gave a really good insight to, you know, what it's like to manage at the National League South, how Averley are kind of consolidating themselves in that league and, and you know, how what the future kind of looks like for them. And I think hopefully you got a real insight into how that club is run and how that level is run. So, you know, again, thank you so much, Danny, for the time. It is massively appreciated. And hopefully, you know, maybe a, a new collaboration or partnership in the future. You know, EFL Sesh, Canvey, EFL Sesh, Abley, you know, bring all the non-league clubs. You know, we're more than happy to speak to any of you um, and, and learn about your clubs because it's, you know, for me, it's a massive learning experience and massively appreciated as well. So, and I know Joe's very much at the same sentiment. He's been loving these chats. Um, so, yes, again, thank you so much, Danny. Um, as alluded to at the end of the interview, um, we will... You know, normal services resumed. 
Um, won't be doing a game week review this week because obviously the interview took priority, but we'll go straight into the predictions league, which, you know, which is what everybody loves. So uh, Joe, uh, lovely, uh, lovely Joe has uh, paired me um, all the points from last week. Um, so what me and Joe predicted and what actually we got out of it, which is pretty, uh, you know, diabolical. Um, but we digress. And he's also predicted or gave the predictions for next week as well. So given the games and given his predictions, so I'll give him uh, as 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 live a live reaction uh, to to these next week games and uh, see if I can do better than him. But let's let's uh let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's go straight into uh, the past game week's results that we predicted. So the first game was Stoke Birmingham. Joe went for three one Stoke. I went for one nil Birmingham. Um, it ended up being two uh, one to Birmingham. So I got a point there, which is great. Um, the second game um, was uh, QPR and Millwall. Um, so Joe went QPR nil Millwall two. I went for QPR one Millwall four. Actually ended up being two nil to QPR. So completely wrong. Couldn't get any further away. So that's a nil point for both of us. Um, the Cheltenham Carlisle game was postponed, which was a shame. So that's uh, no no worries. That's, that's no points. I suppose uh, probably would have ended up being like that the way we're doing this season anyway. Um, and then the fourth game was Newport versus Wrexham. Joe went for two all. I went for 3-1 Wrexham. It actually ended up being 1-0 to Newport. So, again, completely wrong result in in every shape, way, shape or form. And ended up with zero points. So, this week, absolutely shockingly, I got one point and Joe got nothing, which is, which is terrible, which puts the overall score at Joe at 28 points and me on 35 points. So, a seven-point gap has uh, been established. But, again, nothing really to it. Uh, Shut out about, uh, but that's no worries, it's all good. Um, you know, hopefully, we can do better next week. So, Joe's games that he's chosen is uh, Millwall again, double, double, double uh, predictions on that versus Preston. So, Joe's gone for 2 1, and I'm gonna go for a one all draw on that one for next week. Uh, so we'll see how that goes in next in the pod next week. Um, Wigan versus Stevenage and as Joe's alluded to on the spreadsheet uh, Wigan's debut on the predictions league so we try and obviously get as many teams on the predictions as possible but this is a a debut for uh, for Wigan so you know welcome to the predictions league my friends um, so and if you want to follow us on Twitter then hey, the FL Sesh pod Wigan so you know big up the Wigan uh, but yeah uh, Joe's gone for a two all draw um, I've gone for a 3-1 Wigan win I think Wigan are in good form I know Stephen Edger are obviously higher in the table I think Wigan are in a bit of form right now and I think they could do it at home certainly um, so yeah that one and then the final game is Crew versus Salford uh, Joe's favourite team Salford by the way <laughs> lol um, but Joe's gone for a 3-1 win to Crew I've gone for a two 0 win to Crew, so similar, similar like two goal margin there, but slightly different results. So you know, could could be some points on offer here. So that is the that is the predictions league. Um, obviously, you know, Joe will be back to uh, restore normal parity next week with the with the uh, predictions league because uh, I know he's a uh, he's the one that's a uh, you know associated with this segment so hopefully i didn't do too bad and didn't butcher it too much um so yeah that is the that's the predictions league from a canvi perspective um i don't think there was a game at the weekend so there was a postponement um at the weekend for 
due to a frozen pitch. So no Canvey update this week, but, you know, we wish them luck. And I know they've got some big games coming up in the Essex Senior Cup against Buckhurst Hill. And uh, and I think um, some other good, you know, really important Isthmian Premier League games. Hopefully they can get them up the table um, as quickly as possible. But, you know, that is the... That is the pod done for today. Um, as I said, no game with Rube. Again, thank you so much to Danny Scopes for that amazing interview. You know, please follow Averly. Please follow Danny and all this on the social media platforms. Um, you know, uh, it, it's super important, right? The, you know, they're, they're the kind of people that are, you know, at the forefront, the bread and butter of English football, right? And it's it's great. And it's, it's great to learn about that. So I finally enjoyed it. Um, plug the socials as I always do. So please follow the EFL Sesh pod on X and Instagram. So at the EFL, at the EFL sesh pod, can get my words out. And also, um, you know, listen to us on all the major podcasting platforms, Um, you know, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Give us a five-star review. And as always, positive reviews, because as I keep saying, Joe will hunt you down. He might not be here today, but he'll hunt you down if you give us a negative review. So, you know, super important. But um, again, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day morning day evening afternoon whenever you listen to this podcast and thank you for listening and we'll back next week look forward to it maybe with another interview who knows we've got actually to be fair one of the things we've um we've got is a quite a few guests lined up certainly in february and march so really really excited for that and uh you know these interviews we're really really enjoying so we want to try and get as many as possible to give you guys as much of an insight but i digress have a lovely rest of your day and we'll speak very, very soon. Ta-da. Ta-da.